Welcome to the 2020-30 podcast. I am Magdalena. And I am Max. From Studio MMO4 and we are also the organizers of the 2020-30, the Berlin Fashion Summit. Today we are bringing you three amazing women on this episode. It is Anna Franziska Michel from Yuna AI, Beata Wilczek of Unfolding Strategies and Marta Henschel from Forn, the Berlin Fashion Hub. And they'll be talking about the potential positive impact on virtual fashion in the digital world, but also in the physical world. We should definitely mention that also uh, Beata with Unfolding Strategies has her podcast Fashion Knowledge, which is always a great source. And uh, Yuna and I is using digital fashion design as a circularity approach. And this is also obviously reasons why we invited both of them, not the podcast, but the knowledge that uh, Beata is bringing from the cultural perspectives that come along with these developments in virtual and digital design. And with Yuna AI, we have somebody who's experimenting directly with the metaverse, with AI design support for designers um, and to imagine circularity being more integrated in future and digital designing processes. And I think it's quite obvious why we have Marte Henschel, our dear colleague also at Forn, our co-founder, your co-CEO. So obviously with Forn, the Berlin Fashion Hub, we are trying to really bring these topics together and explore further what is the potentials of this impact in the future. So let's listen to first Anna Franziska Michel and Beata Wilczek and dive into the virtual world. Hello, I'm Anna Sio and co-founder of Yuna AI and founder of Universe and the Berlin Metaverse. And here you see, welcome to the Universe. I was a fashion designer over 15 years and I had to recognize that everything is manual, inefficient and over these we are one of the most and biggest polluters on earth. So I started a company, it's called Yuna AI. We are transforming the digital design process or the design process or product creation process with AI. We founded a tool, it's called Yuna AI. We analyze data and we build products in 20 seconds. In one second, 20,000 items, and we built also 3D designs, which I'm showing next in the next slide. And also we get color concepts and recommendations, what is the next trend, and so on. So actually, it's a product work creation process and only some simple clicks. Here you see also we transform 2D designs into 3D designs by AI, and we are working with different companies like Desigual, for example. This means not only that we are like economically sustainable, we are also sustainable and uh, circular because we brought out our sustainability report. And you can see we save um, 99% of CO2. We are much more fast on the market. That means also that we are closer to the trend and we sell better. We can really calculate what we can sell and we directly produce by AI best seller products. And of course, if you work digitally, you can save all the prototypes what you do during the product creation process. I mean, a fashion company is doing in between four and six prototypes for every design. So we can just save that. So what is the next or what is the next step or consequence step of working digitally? It's building a metaverse. 
So here you see we just launched two days ago the Berlin Metaverse. We um, have like Fashion Week updates. Every day you get updates what is happening in our Fashion Week, Berlin Fashion Week. We have like shops. We have like a conference area, what you see right now. We also have an NFT area. And for us as UNAI, is this the consequent step from digital fashion to digital showrooms and digital selling possibilities. Here you see the different shops we have. You have the Weltzeit tour in the middle of the space. And then you have a look out of the windows and you can see Berlin. And that's why we call it the Berlin Metaverse. And our goal is it that we, Berlin is tech. I mean, I'm coming from the startup scene and this is fashion. Our goal is to uh, build a fashion tech uh, city out of Berlin. So what do you have? You have showrooms, fashion shows, you have billboards. For example, the Fashion Week news you have on billboards, you have like real uh, interviews with the designers and so on. Of course, we have our conference. For example, on Monday, the opening, we did really like a conference opening with avatars. We could choose, we do it with Zoom, but we chose the avatars and it was actually so much fun. We had Thomas Hayo from Germany's Next Top Meet model flying over the stage. It was amazing to do a conference opening directly in the metaverse. And yesterday we had a physical conference, it's a fashion tech conference, and then we streamed it at the conference area. After that, we has had a DJ set. So, and also, I mean, we have, we are fashion and fashion is very old school, manual. And then we have the digital area. What you need to do is plan both areas. That's why we de developed also augmented reality. Here you see our example yesterday, for example, Easter Pierban show, all the designs came from us and you can plan it directly. If you have a look to the Yuna AI uh, app, you can see Easter Pierban's fashion now at our augmented reality app. So here you see one example. How is it working at Easter Pierban show yesterday evening? So and that has been, has been yesterday. We had an amazing event on site and off, also streamed into the metaverse. Actually, we had constantly 50 persons in our metaverse watching. The stream, that was great for us. Uh, we didn't even expect that. And we had keynotes and roundtables and masterclasses. And what was the goal of this digital uh, conference? We bring technology, startups, innovators, universities. We bring technology together with fashion designers and friends and young uh, creatives. Because I believe and we at Juna believe that only with technology you can reach real sustainable goals for our industry. And that's why we build this conference. We build the metaverse together with our team. We invite you to our conference next time in July. We will bring everybody again together. Main partner was H&M. And we will have again roundtables, masterclasses. We will have startups. We had like yesterday evening also um, a network dinner with the startups and the fashion companies and universities and innovators together. So the goal is really to build a community to bring technology and fashion together to take action and change our industry, which is very important. Thank you. Hi, my name is Bata Vilcek. I run Unfolding Strategies. And as we heard now, very quickly, but about important things that have to do with environmental sustainability and digital fashion, I'm going to address the post question about uh, yeah, digitizing fashion, how it can actually support cultural sustainability and cultural heritage. So I will give you a quick overview first of what unfolding is, what we do, and then give you some case studies and little examples. 
how digitizing garments can do certain things that we maybe not necessarily think about. So Unfolding Strategies is a consultancy, but also an educational lab. We do audits, advising, and strategy in such areas as digital and sustainability. We try to combine the two together because we believe this is very important. We're also educational lab, which is an overly complicated way to say that we just do a lot of training workshops, a lot of explaining, like now. We also have a podcast called Fashion Knowledge, and we do reports. And the aim is to future-proof fashion by making it digital, diverse, and responsible. We work with some fantastic people. We are also partners with certain people you see here today, which is an amazing pleasure. We work with fashion brands, tech companies, but also institutions and NGOs. So quite a broad spectrum. And we obviously love when press uh, talks about our efforts. So in a nutshell, we educate, we consult, and we create, and we are interested in this kind of emerging space that's somewhere between sustainability, impact, and digital. But I would like to say today to you that Web3 is not only about the future. When you think about metaverse activations, digital fashion NFTs, it's always kind of coveted with a very one singular language, visual language. It's very sci-fi, it's very cyber, it's very glossy. Many people say, oh, this is not very for me. I also think it's about preserving the past. So when we think about Web3, we also need to take a little step back and think what are we bringing to this new iteration of the internet. To turn it into a very simplistic graph where our visions of future are somewhere located with a human looking like robots, and there is a past where we have some kind of cultural heritage, we are somewhere in the middle. So we are somewhere in Web 2.5, transferring towards Web3, whatever this new internet might be. And if we are using those words... Web3, and this is the most dry slide, I promise. Uh, Web3 is this new iteration of internet where such things as decentralization, blockchain technologies, and token-based economics uh, might be very important. And this means a lot for fashion industry because it can really change and innovate products, design, production, labor, and retail. So basically everything to list it, we could probably add to that list. So obviously internet changed fashion before and is changing still. When we think about cultural heritage, well, this is heritage of tangible, intangible, and natural assets of a group or society that is inherited from past generations. So here, everything is about certain actions, about preservation, conservation. Some of you might think of important buildings, UNESCO, this is the right trajectory, and it's also all about memory and values. But when we think about cultural sustainability and fashion, it's like kind of saying it's something against cultural appropriation. It's answering the question, what cultures will exist in future? And this is particularly important when we are so excited about everything new, about everything exciting, about everything tech, because we might skip certain important things that were there in the past. So before we jumped into certain examples, case studies, very, very tiny case studies about Web3 and heritage and what are the emerging practices, it's also important to point out that Web2 brought also certain things in that context. So probably the first exhibition that I feel like I saw, but I didn't really see, was the Hussein Chalayan show at Design Museum in London 2009 because it was so well documented and photographed. Now we're very used to the fact that you can go online and see a show. But as fashion exhibitions and the way they're being documented now, that really evolved with Web2. The same with social media. We have like amazing archives of different like fashion images and visuals. If you think about Instagram, Tumblr, Pinterest, this is like a goldmine for, for like visual research. And we shouldn't think about them as just places where things can be dumped. They can be also, you know, analyzed and scrutinized. And they definitely created certain cultural stance of accumulating visual uh, images. And then a uh, third one, very interesting archives and databases that started emerging in last years. This one particularly, Fashion Race Database, is focusing on decolonizing 
passion and it's fascinating that today everyone can become an archivist and start an archive. That wouldn't be possible without Tumblr and Pinterest. So to anticipate the emerging futures, we need to look at current practices. So one of the first most exciting projects I remember in late 2019, I believe, was the Virtual Fashion Archive by Superficial. And it was just super exciting as someone who likes Issei Miyake clothes to see those garments digitized and moving and floating. And this is basically the purpose of uh, this project, is archiving and giving access. What if we could show the garments moving and uh, being digitized and being on the internet? This is actually, this example is not on-chain. In a similar spirit, I had the pleasure of working with one ME student at AMDEV in Berlin. Together with Federica von Wedepanloff, we are supervisors of Rosella Franco. And Rosella took this concept a little bit farther, and she wanted to preserve Indian craftsmanship connecting and connect artisans and designers. So by digitizing certain examples of craft and making, she wanted to one, preserve it, two, make actually a link between artisans and designers. This is also, this idea came about in 2019. So those, those examples are not on blockchain. But now in recent months, we can see there is more and more projects are also introducing blockchain to that. Quite famous, interesting example is how an archive and an exhibition can add a layer of, of digitized assets to it as a Spin by Labla co-collaboration with Fondazione Sozani. Uh, some of you might know who was uh, Franca Sozani. She's a late uh, editor of Vogue Italy. And when she had an exhibition uh, in Milan of her archival collection, some of it was sold to donate money to cancer research, I believe in States. And you could also buy it as an NFT. So in that sense, you're starting to introducing a concept of the digital. So if a digital asset and the physical garment. So you could both, a jacket that Frank Casasan used to wear, but also have its digital twin. It's quite interesting way to expand an exhibition and also make archives digital. Similar idea, but slightly different, was tested by Paco Rabanne. And at Selfridges, uh, they had a beautiful display and they decided to preserve the very traditional 60s dresses from Paco Rabanne but also through selling NFTs, be able to buy back the old pieces. So it also can be a form of accumulating capital and bringing the actual physical pieces back to the archive. This one, I was not sure if I should include it because it looks like it's from a museum uh, shop. It's like we go to, a, I don't know, Tate Britain and then we want to buy our national gallery and we want to buy a t-shirt with Van Gogh. But I think that fact that it's so simple is quite effective because it shows that also digital fashion can open spaces for art and fashion initiatives and also for storytelling, which is much stronger. In this example, this is a, a startup from London that's called Alter, I believe you say that. And their sole purpose is to offer digital fashion as a source of preservation of cultural heritage. And they want to, they don't want to only work with brands. They want to work with institutions, museums, and they believe that digital can be this preserving element. And here, one of the first projects they created and that they proposed, it's actually working with a heritage UNESCO site in China, in Donghuang, and creating garments based on that. So this also introduces quite interesting narratives to what digital fashion is and might be. And last, one of the last examples I have is one that I personally worked on at Dematerialize with a Mexican school, Sedim, where we fought what it would mean to turn a local community into collaborators. In a way, we know many projects are inspired by certain communities. We also know brands collaborating together. So I don't know, Margiela, we collaborate with North Face and we got very accustomed with that. But what if certain communities 
could collaborate and create in the same way as a partner and also be incentivized by that. And by incentivized, I mean that also, for example, from sales, get a certain cut from it. So this is something that's quite popular when talking about Web3. And also at the same time experimenting, you know, how we can bring indigenous knowledge to Web3 because the ideas and the concepts of the world that I bring brought and been fostered by tech as we understand it are quite singular. So this is also idea how to play and expand it and open it up a little bit more. It's a very exciting project and I hope it will be presented in its uh, quite big richness uh, in next months. And the last project comes not necessarily from fashion world, sorry, example. It comes from decentralized museum that is governed by DAO. So it's a decentralized autonomous organization. It's basically a group of people who gets together and says what gets to be collected, what gets to be owned by a museum. So it's not anymore the trustees, the curators. It's actually the people who want to co-create this museum. And in this example, very fashion relevant, the community voted to collect the funds that were used by Madonna when she was voguing because they thought this was the, this was interesting. So digitization can also allow to community act as a curator because they decide what gets included in the collection. So to sum it up, digital assets in fashion can help to archive through digitizing, preserve craft, create access, put archives on chain, accumulate funding for archives, work with different communities, incentivize creators, tell stories and expand exhibitions. And this can really embrace cultural sustainability and cultural heritage. And I hope we will see more and more projects like that. So yeah, if you would like to schedule an intro, book a workshop, listen to our podcast, let me know. You can also drop me an email. My name is Bata. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. So we're opening up for Q&A. So questions. I think the angle of archiving and preserving is really, really interesting in digital. I've until recently been thinking about that tension between digitizing and democratizing access by and claiming to be more sustainable by not using physical samples. Uh, but on the other side of the tension, you have you are increasing the consumption or at least the accessibility and that sort of consumption demand for what's available, making it more widely accessed. And I just wanted to say if you have some thoughts about that challenge of digitizing fashion and trying to overcome carbon emissions, when at the same time, digitizing fashion might be increasing consumption and creating more computational power required. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is something that this is a question that I've been wrapping my head around for like a year as I was serving as a head of impact at uh, Dematerialize, a digital fashion startup. So uh, the answer is short. Obviously, digital assets as a new add-on to the company's offering, as a new product, they have a different carbon footprint. So they are different and they are different than my jacket. So, of course, that's good. But how we can deal with overconsumption and adding of new products, well, this is the, the nature of it that also it's impossible to change things with creating new things. This is like an obvious true. So... I would say that certain things that are also being trying to establish, so like scarcity and thinking how much we can make and also the way how it might contribute to bespoke production, these are like the pros that are usually listed and mentioned. But it's also time will show how the space will develop and how actually we're going to buy digital assets and what they will actually mean. So I think we will see in next years also many variations and adaptations of that. So I think it also depends on companies that are introducing them to think, what is their role? What do they want them for? 
and then how it also fits into all the impact strategy, ESG reporting, and so on. So I think it should be treated very holistically, not as a one-off activation. But yeah, I think <laughs> you said already. You have always the yeah. Yeah, I think like you said already. You have always the CEO only in the beginning of everything, so it will develop during the years. And then I think digital fashion and everything in context of digital fashion shows and metaverses will be also sustainable. And also you have always to think next to energy and everything like that. You have materials, you have chemistry, you have everything else what is would be used for create physical fashion. So we have always to see what is the balance. Um, that is my opinion. Thank you. It does seem that it's um, more meaningful choices are granted because of the access to the information and and yeah, it's uh, I, I can see a clear answer. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. We have another question. I wanted to ask if you see an opportunity for decentralized ownership to uh, sweep in from the digital world into the physical. I'm mostly thinking about the the costs we heard that are prohibitive for uh, farmers to transform or convert from traditional to organic cotton farming. And we're thinking about uh, them participating in the the equity of the created by the final collections but so we know uh, already how to decentralize ownership of of digital assets but uh, do you see a potential for decentralized ownership of of physical assets as well well you're asking the wrong person because i'm totally digitally <laughs> i wonder that we don't have uh, physical clothing anymore but i think also is a good um uh, possibility also you can track sustainability effects with um, decentralized objects and this is also good of course we go a long way until we only produce digital assets and use only digital assets and I, I would only add that I think that we already have many different forms of co-owning co-sharing there are many different types of cooperatives those things about commoning and decentralizing they didn't come from tech world and empty void I think there is a big legacy of people sharing and also rentals now of certain goods prove that. So I, I think it's an interesting question, but I can add anything to that apart from the fact that putting it on chain has certain applications and it's interesting, but it's not something that I think we were just already doing it. We're not so explicitly uh, looking at it in, a, in that way. So that, but the part about organic cotton, unfortunately, that's not my expertise. I cannot add anything to that. All right, then I think we can close this Q&A. Thank you so much. Give it up one more time, please, for them. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I hope you enjoyed Beata's and Anna's presentations. What I think, there's still quite a lot of questions around these topics. Um, we are usually not really aware that uh, digital products have also footprint or some CO2 emissions. So it's, I don't know, we always think that uh, if we do digital sampling, um, that we are having a lot of savings in terms of resources. But I don't know, I, I don't know really a lot of numbers and studies uh, proving the right amounts of savings. I don't know, what about you? Max? 
Well, I think it's this typical thing. Eh? We do know, and there is uh, some numbers in the industry that, for example, digital sampling saves you money directly. But really, I don't think that there's public numbers on the actual CO2 connected to the energy use of digital sampling, etc. So through that, there's a space where we can learn much more still. And we also need to do some research. What I find also interesting and uh, what I would like to highlight in that point here is that, of course, and this is something we have discussed quite a lot of times, that, of course, all these um, structures which are which we find in the physical world are also uh, there in the digital world. So we have, by like transferring our like physical space into the digital space, we are transferring like all the mistakes. Probably, hopefully not, but uh, also like, um, of course, uh, a lot of positive um, initiatives, hopefully. And uh, I think there is lying a, a huge potential and we hopefully can learn uh, from our discussions here that we can probably design the digital world in a different way. And this is also like what Beata is pointing out quite a lot of time and she says and uh, talking about cultural aspects and also that we can preserving the, um, cultures in the digital world probably easier than in the physical world. Totally. And it, you can make it so much more accessible. And I think, I mean, if you look into the power of AI, especially on visuals by now, uh, we can expect so much more to come. And, and I mean, that's one of these things. You can do things in the virtual space that are impossible otherwise. Eh? And you can do things sometimes also way cheaper or you can experiment with, with new visuals, for example, to imagine a future of this planet or a future of consumption of lifestyle and yeah create pictures that help to to find these attractive so yeah i mean i'm really excited also on these kind of more cultural explorations of the the new tools and if they can't help us as humanity to yeah paint out our future more colorful and also more tangible actually I mean, I just remember I was attending the 3D Fashion Week, uh, Digital Fashion Week, uh, like a couple of weeks ago. And there was this presentation of ancient garments. And it was so nice and so impressive to see them. Because usually you go in, in a museum and they're just static. And you can, of course, explore all the details of the embroidery and all the details also of the structure of the fabrics. But uh, seeing them in the digital world, and it was so well done as well, that you can really feel the structures and like the fabric. Uh, but then see them also moving. It was it was such a nice experience, and uh, it gives so much more life uh, to these ancient garments. It really impressed me, and this is probably also feeding exactly into what you just said. Yeah, and I mean, there's so much more to come. Eh? I mean, just look at ChatGPT and and all these opportunities now, and that moving more and more into the virtual and visual space. So I think it's exciting, but it's also something where we probably will be touching base so much more often in the next couple of months because, yeah, nobody knows really what is all possible. But I think for sure we need to take care that we don't copy those mistakes we do in the real world and put them in the virtual world, but we really, really use it as a chance to build a more sustainable new world. This is exactly what Marta is also talking about by presenting the Foreign Academy program, where young talents were exploring digital tools to implement design for circularity also in the digital world. So please learn more about it uh, while listening to Marta's presentation.
Hi everyone. Thanks 2020 team for having me. My name is Marta. I'm a fashion designer by education, professor for sustainable fashion, IT entrepreneur, co-founder of Sketch. And today I'm here in my role of a co-initiator of Four in the Berlin Fashion Hub, which is a physical and digital space to be in the heart of Berlin, celebrating the intersection of sustainability aesthetics and innovation. Because we believe making those meaningful connections is the way to accelerate the just transition of the fashion industry. We've seen a couple of opportunities in this painfully challenging times and also a couple of buzzwords flying around. We have new technologies on the rise. There's this Web3 and Metaverse bubble that we don't know. Is it worth having a closer look at? We have like vague terms like regenerative economy, circularity, sustainability. So we thought, let's give it a try, develop a space, invite different stakeholders, put together programs. And the way we do this is by providing access to space, resources, knowledge and network and community and offer access to four different pillars that are complementary with community services, an innovation lab, a scaling program with access to investment and internationalization, and a co-working space. Yes, it's also about physical space and coming together and meet and, and engage with each other. And we provide that to multiplicators, industry stakeholders, SMEs, independent creatives, entrepreneurs, and also academia and research and innovation. And we are lucky because we got commissioned by the Berlin Senate of Economics and have the chance over the course of the next four years to establish and grow and accelerate that physical and digital space. And today I have the pleasure to share a little sneak preview of something that we will open and showcase tonight. So you're the first ones to take a look into what we've been doing over the past three and a bit months. We invited 10 talented designers from three different disciplines, from circular fashion, from digital creation, and from interaction design, so a bit from Web3 and games background, and just invited them to an eight weeks residency with a scholarship and asked them to achieve something impossible, to only in eight weeks develop a concept for a circular and digital collection. And we bombed them with multiple technologies. They got access to space, hardware, software, materials, workshops, trainings, uh, schooling, uh, computing power, and just let them spark creativity and it was a hell of a ride to be honest but uh, we are super impressed by what can happen if you invite talented people from different disciplines and also we had the chance to be supported by numerous partners so the whole program was sponsored by Salando Unity and Cornet, and also we had multiple supporters and partners supporting sustainable design criteria and certifications and data standards, soft and hardware, 
And also we invited our Web3 and Metaverse bubble to support that exploration. So they developed the concept, remember, only eight weeks, right? And a group of people that never met with each other from backgrounds that usually in real life never get in contact with each other. So whoever is a designer tried to work with a data scientist, it's really hard to get something out of that conversation in a short amount of time. So they created uh, virtual designs, they created avatars, developed material, circular material concepts, they developed prints and got that printed. They also developed physical samples. They worked with a circularity ID by circular fashion. They developed the visuals, the sounds, the exhibition design, the VR experience. They developed an augmented reality uh, virtual try-on exploration. They will drop an NFT and they created a manifesto of their work. And they divided their concept in three complementary ones called dysfunctionality, escapism and pleasure because they thought this is really something we have to aesthetically conquer. So they started with materials, textures and shapes, so quite a classical exploration of figuring out where to develop an, an aesthetical concept towards. They developed digital prints together with Cornet. They worked supported by Browseware, created their styles. They started with draping and sketching developed their uh, CAD patterns. You can see this is really inspired by the game's aesthetic. So a three-headed monster, for example, is one of the avatars. And then they also created their virtual styles. They also created their avatars and probably the videos will play. So as you can see, dysfunctionality, escapism and pleasure can look like that or similar. And everything is morphing. So usually a, a fashion product has only one appearance, but of course in a virtual world, and that's the promise of Web3 and Metaverse, there's no static moment of an appearance of a product, which is interesting, right, to play with. A great partner of ours is Circular Fashion. You probably know they developed an open data standard called uh, Circularity ID. So the physical samples are also attached with a QR code and that directs to a dedicated page where you can actually have all the materials, products and supply chain data and information to be, because this is prototype stage, that's not a marketable product, but they also explored that technology. And at the end, they also developed a physical and virtual exhibition concept and there will also be a proof of attendance protocol NFT. So if you join the showcase, you will also have the opportunity to, is my first NFT, to take something away with you. All right. And here, if you like, you're warmly invited to book a free slot. Slots are very limited. I think we have roughly 1,000 slots over the course of the two days, tomorrow and the day after at Bikini Berlin. Just come and take a look and join the conversation. I give you a moment, but I will also like share a quick outlook. There will be two more 
Foreign Academy programs in 23. So I will use this opportunity for a little advertisement. We will open the space in April this year. We will have a second Foreign Academy round because this was really the experiment, the laboratory, the pilot, and we will take it more serious next year. We will have the second edition starting in May, the second residency. Uh, focus on sustainable luxury because we feel let's give it a try might be fun and the third one where we uh, set up a uh, the most sustainable micro factory at the fashion hub in berlin and invite designers and researchers in residence to play around and stretch that uh, smart manufacturing technology and we call it prosumer lab And then all of these academy programs are rounded up with a showcase and you will surely be invited again. And over the course of the next four years, to just frame that a bit, we hope to onboard 150 community members, size and entity agnostic, uh, work together with 25 research institutes and academia partners, support 250 SMEs, 500 startups and scale-ups collaborate with 70 corporate partners and have 50 tenants. So space will be there and we will invite you all to come together. There are studios, ateliers, co-working opportunities. And you can find it on the Foreign uh, Hub website. You can become a community member. Here you can have a moment, if you missed it, to uh, secure your showcase slot. And if you wish, feel free to reach out to me to get in touch with us. Thank you. Thank you, Marta, for giving us all these insights from the Foreign Academy program. And it was actually a really nice and impressive exhibition exploring like the digital and the digital collections of the designers in Bikini Berlin during Berlin Fashion Week. So I think f also for the sake of transparency, it's worth that we mention Studio MMO4 is co-founder of uh, Foreign the Berlin Fashion Hub. And Magdalena, you are also co-CEO with Marta together. So just to let everybody know, uh, we are quite closely connected. Marta and me, we're actually planning the next Foreign Academy program where we are more focusing on the luxury segment of fashion and also exploring body diversity in the digital space. And this is also linked very much to Beata's talks because uh, she is also having a research project on body diversity on avatars. And this is also very interesting because obviously all these topics popping up in the physical world they are also transferred in the digital world and the discussion need to transfer also in the digital world and we need to tackle all these topics there as well and this is something where i'm very much looking forward to as well as to our next episode where we invite pentatonic to talk about how to implement circular economy and they are actually working on it with brands all over the world and really bringing it into life Please don't forget to have a look in our show notes. We have lots of links from our speakers, also a dedicated website from the Foreign Academy Program One, which you can explore. It's a whole world of ideas uh, the talents have created. And uh, it's very interesting also to dive into their thoughts and also to find out how they actually worked together with Foreign. And as usual, you can follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram, obviously. 
Stay tuned. I hope you get a lot of inspiration from our talks. And let us know your feedback if you have any. Bye.